Good morning and welcome to another episode of Faith in Flagler. My name is Brian McMillan. I'm your host. I'm also the publisher of the Palm Coast and Ormond Beach Observer newspapers. And I want to say thank you for listening to Faith in Flagler because building faith strengthens our community. And on the show, we I um, interview different faith leaders of all kinds of different faiths um, to try to encourage peace and love and joy and happiness in the community. And so um, thank you to Todd Weekman for joining me today. Hello, Todd. Hey, how you doing? Very good. So <laughs> Todd is the next-gen pastor with First Baptist Church of Palm Coast, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. But first, I wanted to thank our sponsors, Douglas Property and Development, Big John's Appliances, and Stevenson Wilcox and Associates. Thank you so much for supporting the show and supporting the mission of the show. So Todd Weekman, next-gen pastor. So you're you're telling me before we started the show that this is anyone who lives in a household. So tell me tell me what, what you mean by next-gen. Yeah, so I guess specifically the strategy is I'm a pastor who targets the next generation of what would be the, the church membership, right? Mm-hmm. And so we are very interested in discipling students, children, as well as young adults, and providing opportunities for them to grow. And so I was brought on to oversee all ministries that would uh, facilitate those arenas. So I oversee particularly the students and uh, somewhat young adults, but then I partner with some leadership to do uh, ministry of students as well as nursery. And so the strategy there is just that I uh, coordinate a concerted effort to make sure that the next generation has uh, every resource available in the church to grow up in Christ. Is uh, it a, is it a tough sell to keep the teenagers and the young adults interested? Uh, it Sometimes is, it can be. It, um, <laughs> I mean, that's why you're here, right? Because yeah, yeah. You, that's why you have. There's a next gen yeah. seat, you know, that that mm-hmm. they needed to have filled because um, otherwise, yeah, the. It is it is difficult, but I think part of it is is the uh, church is now still after COVID figuring out how to properly disciple and um, uh, deal with kids who go to college and walk away from the faith. And so there's a lot mm-hmm. of um, curtains being pulled back, and we saw how COVID people weren't being discipled, they weren't um, being poured into and invested in the way. And so I think a lot of churches have turned around and said, "Hey, this is actually a really important area." And I think it's it's not just about the students and the the people living in the house, but also the ho- heads of household. How do they disciple? Uh, how does the church, you know, we we pull students and children away from families so they could be in Sunday schools, but are they being equipped to then go back home and make sure that they're following up? And so there's a there's a very uh, broad things broad set of things that I could be doing as a next gen pastor, but yeah, uh, it's a it's a first step, if you will. We're trying to get in that direction. So but. I bet there's a lot of people listening mm-hmm. who have next gen in their own house. Oh yeah. And they've got a teenager or they've got a 20-year-old or mm-hmm. they've got a 10-year-old and they're thinking, how do I get them? They're asking the same question mm-hmm. you are. Like, what, what are the chances that, that my own kid, my mm-hmm. own you know, loved one is going to get through this kind of mm-hmm. stage, uh, if it is a stage, and, and stick with discipleship you know, to, as they grow up? What 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 advice would you have to those mm-hmm. parents or grandparents who are kind of like nervous and scared about their own um, their own next gen? Well, I would, I would start off by saying first of all that we um, we as parents, you know, I'd speak to them on that level and just say as parents, we are 
uh, gifted these children to take care of and we're responsible, but ultimately we don't save them. And so this is a very much we are uh, providing them opportunities to meet with Christ, to find uh, faith and, and follow in this journey. But there is an open-handedness there that we have to trust the Lord is going to put people in their path and as well as ourselves to be consistent. And so I just remind them to first, like, the stakes are high, but we need to uh, not act with this kind of, like, urgency that would make us misstep, you know, like everything's on my shoulders kind of deal. And the next thing I would say is is to be consistent, to, uh, you know, Christ is going to, I mean, we're looking at... Um, you know, salt and light in this yeah, idea. We're going to like, talk about Matthew yeah. five today, but, but yeah. uh, yeah. So like if, if I am saying I'm one thing, but then I'm not actually salty, then mm-hmm. I've kind of um, demonstrated uh, some hypocrisy. And so I think students, they sniff that out really easy. They so, do. Yeah. They're the next gen is really good. At, yeah. It's well, they're all putting on different hats <laughs> themselves, you know, yeah, that's true. They're all, uh, students when I go into high schools, they're all figuring out who they are and they're putting on different things. I, I never really thought about that, but I've, I've noticed that teenagers really do get really, uh, I mean, they get really upset when they see hypocrisy mm-hmm. in, in adults. And maybe there is some self-awareness there that yeah. like, I know that I need to act a little differently with certain friend group mm-hmm. and with that friend group. And they see it among their own peers, like yeah. people, but it's, it's tough because we're still figuring out who we are. I mean, even, you know, when you get older, you have to keep, yeah keep rediscovering yourself in different ways. How does it feel to you knowing that you are one of those people that those parents and grandparents are hoping will be a a good influence? Uh, You know, I honestly don't, I I think I stop and think of them from an admin point of view, like making sure I'm dotting the T's and making sure I'm doing everything uh, well. Or dotting the I's. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Either one. Yeah, there it is. Um, Is that a spoonerism or something? Um, uh, Anyway, um, yeah, so I don't, I don't, uh, I think about that in in a, I want to be diligent for the church and uh, make sure that, you know, no one can say that I'm not um, stepping up into this role I've been assigned to. But Mm -hmm. honestly, the comfort comes from that, that idea that I am not their savior. And so I, I take, you know, I don't worry too much because I've been called as a pastor to shepherd. Uh, a lot of times pastoring becomes leadership and um, group psychology and things like that. But I, I just step out and say, look, I'm here to shepherd. And so the, I tone down a little bit the urgency and just love the job and love the people and just want to walk with them one step at a time. And so I don't, I don't find too much pressure from uh, parents. doesn't mean I don't feel that stress, but I, I do enjoy it. And um, it comes with a kind of conviction that, that keeps me going. It's a call really. So I don't, um, yeah, I feel very motivated to just be in their lives, to speak truth, to make sure that and I'm constantly evaluating myself, you know, how much of a hypocrite, you know, how many, <laughs> how much, uh, hat switching am I doing yeah. in the moment that they're like, I don't, I don't like this guy, you know, or so, uh, it, but yeah, I, I try to remind myself, um, cause I actually teach a group of eight or nine teenagers every morning in mm-hmm. a, in a class at my church. And you, it, sometimes you, I, it's easy to put some pressure on and like, if I don't say the right, you know, things, then they're not going to, you know, they're not going to get where they need to be. But mm-hmm. really, no matter what I say, the Holy Spirit can still do things oh, yeah. despite whatever weaknesses I have. And, um, you know, I'm not there because I'm going to, I'm going to change them. It's, mm-hmm. you have to give them an opportunity to be changed themselves by their own choices mm-hmm. and their own faith. So it's, this is a good reminder to me. So thank you for saying that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, when you were, what, what about when you were the next gen? Now mm-hmm. you're the gen. Yeah. Right. So what I about, guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird to say, yeah. When you were the next gen, you're a teenager. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know. How, how old are you now? Uh, 36. 36. So when you were a teenager, um, was it hard for you? I see a lot of things that um, I went through, and, and I don't think we were aware of how difficult it was. We were just on a journey. right? I was, I was a skateboarder. I, was, uh, I knew there were kids in my community who uh, were doing things to kind of sedate themselves, to kind mm-hmm. of make things seem a little more uh, doable. And I remember kind of observing these things and, and found that in the church there was a lot of good promises and uh, even saw my parents. And, uh, you know, there's there's stuff going on in my family that I didn't even know about, but they were always careful to put a consistent face forward. And so I think uh, that was that was kind of a privilege to grow up in a church that loved their students. And so I, um, I wasn't aware of how much of a struggle it could be, right? So if, if, um, if you had that one adult leader who's shedding some, like, um, sketchy truth that that could have really put a kink in in my journey, right? But I had some very good, uh, thought provoking, consistent people who uh, loved the church, even though it was going through some difficult things. And so I just was never aware of how uh, conflicted it would be until I got to college. And a lot of it mm-hmm. came from me studying apologetics. And so as a, as a next gen, I think that kind of hits on this idea of information. And uh, we were just then, you know, we we're really into the internet. I remember Facebook was, was just the thing. And it was really, you had to be friends with people to make friends like back when it was, you know, original <laughs> promises, but it was, it was interesting watching all that. You know, we were talking about, Hey, is social media good? Like you're not really my friend. You're just a friend on Facebook. And these kind of moments that now have become echoed, you know, but I remember sitting there and being like this, none of this is too difficult on the faith journey, but it wasn't until I started thinking about conflicting worldviews uh, and getting out in the broader world that I started um, having challenges. And, I, and I, honestly, I hear a lot of people when they're deconstructing, that's one of those areas that they are uh, struggling with is that their faith doesn't really, they don't know what to do with the broader mm-hmm. world. And, and um, How does it align with the, because you, you, sometimes we come up with a political stance, mm-hmm. a social stance, mm-hmm. and then we're being told something different, like through our faith community. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, maybe there's a, you have to make a choice. Like, am I going to say, well, I think that that is, I I think that that faith community is, is telling the truth and therefore I need to kind of Mm -hmm. humble myself and adjust what I have, what I, what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, some people will say, I, I'm I'm rejecting the faith community and I'm going to keep going in my intellectual journey here. And and I've seen that, I've seen people choose both paths. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is, and really what I'm describing is it gets confusion, confusing, right? Like the, yeah. as a young man, I was uh, in college and, and I was wanting to study apologetics, but the deeper I got into it, the more nuanced everything got. And one of the things I've noticed about students these days, they don't speak in black and white, they speak in gray. And so every, and it kind of, I don't know if it's nihilism, but uh, you can kind of make every conversation in a context that will make it irrelevant or your point seem to be the only point possible. So it's, um, there's a lot of uh, interesting approaches now. I think that students have adopted from, you know, maybe our generation, uh, exploring these topics of what to do with with Christ and culture and the broader world. And now we've gotten so, you know, I think about it. I'm, I'm trying to describe this. How do we get so confused? But um, it's like more information. The more I tell my children, like I explain something to them. I'm now watching these boys who are able to articulate arguments, and he's in kindergarten, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man. I think I over-explained things. And so, like, on one hand, they know how to, to like, go about over-explaining, but then they don't actually know the things they're saying and how they're contradictory. And so I think the same way when I was a young man, I was learning all these things, but I didn't really 
have the tools to kind of parse out and to see what was a fallacy or not, or, uh, you know, how to put things in ultimately hierarchies, right? Like what you're talking about with the, the politics, but then religion, you know, we have to make a stance and I would advocate that, you know, we follow, we follow our, our faith nonetheless, right? No matter what the world is saying would promise this, our, our faith is, is primary. And so that has to be in a hierarchical, hierarchical kind of like, this is the top thing. So yeah. Yeah. I didn't have that when I was in college. And so it was very easy to say things like, you know, every denomination is good. I'll just go to whatever church. And, mm-hmm. and then I started going to different churches and I was like, wait a minute, they believe different things and it kind of mattered. But And it makes you realize that you need to discover mm-hmm. um, there, there's a certain kind of a spiritual truth that you're looking for that maybe comes from different means, not just from a book. You have to experience something, mm-hmm. you know, with with uh, the divine. And mm-hmm. and that's not like this show isn't really about like what makes different churches different. Mm-hmm. But I think that this kind of journey happens with with every every, yeah. every person, really. Um, so thank you for sharing that. I'm, mm-hmm. If you're just tuning in. Uh, I'm Brian McMillan. You're listening to Faith and Flagler, and I have Todd Weekman, who's the next gen pastor with First Baptist Church of Palm Coast, as my guest today. I do want to get into Matthew chapter five um, because some of these some of these verses are just like so second nature to a lot of people who grew up who, who mm-hmm. are in church. But it's kind of cool to see like a different perspective on it sometimes. So you brought up the uh, salt and the light, which is really what this is about. I'm, I'm reading the King James version. Um, which I know is not not the uh, most popular these days, but it's uh, it's the comfort it's the comfort wording that I that I grew up with. Yeah. Ye are the salt of the earth. This is Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. But if the salt has have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? Is it thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out? It is there. It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. So what is Jesus talking about? You, meaning his disciples, people who are listening to him, um, you are the salt of the earth. How are we? How are we salt? What does that mean? Yeah, I think uh, it's important that that you kind of said that there. We are uh, the you is disciples, right? He sits on this mount. The disciples follow up, and he's teaching them. Uh, the salt there, I think, is just uh, you know the classic sermonization is that uh, we bring out this idea of of preserving life or preserving. Uh, food and so salt would pr- preserve food, but it can also disinfect. And so there's two. Uh, typically, uh, when people preach on this, they talk about you know the salt as as Christ followers, believers, right? And this is before his death and resurrection. He's talking to his disciples, so he's going to send them out, and they're going to go do good works. And he's he's really kind of highlighting this idea that you're you're bringing life, you're preserving something, you're getting rid of of death, and uh, and then you're also uh, bringing a, a goodness to life, like a taste, a flavor. You know, and that might speak to the whole uh, life abundant uh, concept. And so as people who represent Christ, we represent that mission of his, which is to give the words of life, words of life and to bring life abundance. And so we kind of carry forth. Again, we're not, we're not the ones who, who, who brought it. We're not the ones who created that relationship to God, but we're the ones that can go out and, and commune with that and share that with the world. And so he's just, again, talk, talking about our usefulness, right? Our usefulness in the king, kingdom of God. Do you think that that appeals to the next gen? Mm. You know, th- th- there's there's probably you know the young people in the mm-hmm. in the church, like at First Baptist Church or elsewhere, mm-hmm. um, they may sometimes feel like they're sort of unique. Mm-hmm. That not everybody that they go to school with, for example, is going to youth night every week and going to church. That they they kind of feel like they maybe have a little bit of a responsibility to do this. Mm. You know, what 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 do they? What responsibility? 
do they have? Yeah, I think they they just like everyone are are if they're following Christ, they're salt. And I think there's actually a really good. Um, I, I would say to them if they're listening, or, or just as I'm talking to them, that they actually would probably be more appealing to their their cohort uh, than say like I would to my cohort because by this age we're all kind of distracted, we're all kind of cemented in these responsibilities Sad. that would have us, yeah. But, Sad state of the world yeah, as but they, we get older. Yeah, well, they keep us from <laughs> uh, from really being flexible and, and saying, oh, wait, like, I've uh, I've followed this journey and this path is actually leading to death and I need to change. But a lot of us, we're so content. But I, I look at students and, and this idea of salt and, and light, they're really ahead of the game at this moment, right? Like, there's, when I go into high school, it's like all of them want to talk about what they believe, whether it's com- whatever source it's coming from. They want, they have these things that they're talking about and they're all, experimenting you know when i was in high school there's a lot of uh wicca and a lot of uh, kids exploring those those uh kind of occult areas for power and, and influence uh but then also other religions and so i think the same is true to this day that those kids are all uh these students these young people are all exploring these options to them and i think this this conversation becomes immensely important for someone in the church because they're there's a reflection in there about not only titles and what you believe but also how you act and the power that that has right the consistency is what uh, delivers the message. And so if you're if you're a Christian, you're in church and you're going out and you're not only saying these things that are good, but you're also living them out, it's gonna have it's gonna be a testimony all on its own. And I think that's very young students to not wait until they're older or more confident, but to say, Look, I I, I said yes to Christ, you know, whether it's kindergarten or, you know, fifth grade or you know, in high school. And so now I'm going to, I'm going to be about the business, right? Nonetheless. So. Yeah. And it seems like a, uh, uh, an expression of faith from a fellow teenager mm-hmm. can be incredibly powerful. I think. Mm-hmm. Well, um, think about that hat thing, right? So all of them are going to say they believe something, but then you have, and I think, I think about this in like power, you know, in, in high school or maybe put it on the playground, right? Who's the most, like the bully is the most confident kid. Mm-hmm. They get a little, you know, and, I don't want to get in the whole like what to do with bullies, but when you look at a playground, you see the kid who's like run around and owns the show. It's the kid who's like kind of mean, but he's confident, but he's got a following too, right? Like he, he could you could see that or she, you know, the, the mean girls got all the girls, and it's it's not so much that everyone's like being held by this hostage, but rather they see confidence. Hey, this person's got a plan. You know, mm-hmm. may not be right. They know intuitively like, hey, this isn't great, but they're like at least they got a plan. You know, they seem to, and if I stick with them, maybe I'll get some benefits. And I think there's this kind of intuitive when someone says something and they throw it on that ether in that environment and then someone goes, nah, be quiet. And then they go, okay, yeah, yeah. And they back, you know, that when they mm-hmm. don't show that confidence, no one wants to follow them. But when a kid will go, nah, I follow Christ nonetheless, right? Like, I follow Christ. Okay. You can tell me that, you know, you don't believe there's God. You can tell me that all that, but I, I follow Christ. I chose this. Yeah. And that I know, can be magnetic. Oh my goodness. It would be, uh, it, it just, it, it sweeps, right? Like all of a sudden, because I, I'd venture to say a lot of, Again, they're just putting on hats. A lot of those kids are saying, yeah, I believe in this, but they're just testing that hat. And especially mm-hmm. with these, what I saw from like some of my friends who were into magic and things, they're, they're groping for power because maybe there's something that they want control over, right? They want something that can, they can influence the world. So they're looking for something, some worldview, some uh, energy, right, that will help them change their situation. But then you get a kid who says, look, I died to myself and I follow Christ and I'm going to follow him. And, and there's this kind of like confidence and then they, when they speak their words, well, I believe this, it just falls up short because really they, they say they believe it, but really they're, they're kind of testing it even then. Mm-hmm. And so I think as Christians, we got to be careful. How much are we testing God 
hey, I'll believe in you until an argument comes out that says I shouldn't, or I believe in you, but I've got these doubts and we let the, and it's like, man, we got to own this. We got to really be salt or not. Right. We got to, but, but, but the next gen, they might've only had like one experience where they mm-hmm. thought, okay, yeah, I believe this. I wonder then, about that. And then, then, then sometimes that one is, it feels <clears throat> fragile to them mm-hmm. and maybe then they, you start to, to question it and say, maybe this isn't really yeah. real after all. Yeah, and I think that's a but that's an easy. Um, there's there's a couple of points I'd come to that. Like one, um, you know, what about the kid who says they trust in Christ, but they've never had this experience of, you know, maybe a grandmother coming back from the dead. You know, she was like in the hospital and she, you know, whatever, woke up and was fine. You know, maybe they didn't have this miraculous, or maybe even the whole like heartwarming. You hear about Wesley talking about how his heart was warmed, right, and he followed, just decided to follow Christ. I think about these kindergartners, right. They're young and they're they're hearing these things. And I'm looking at my son, and and I know he knows what he's talking about, right? I know he's he's not he's not a fool. He's not just mimicking. He, we're having conversations. He's asking questions, and then he's like, "I believe this," and something snatches that away. I think as kids get older, mm. and so I have to wonder how much of it is if we always depend on experience to confirm, rather. And that is kind of like the 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 uncomfortable truth about faith is that we are putting our faith in this, right? We we're trusting the words of Scripture as revelation. Uh, God is stepping down from heaven through Jesus is revealing these things and saying, this is what it is to follow me, uh, trust in me. You have not seen me, but you love me, right? First Peter talks about that. And so I, I have to wonder, you know, even from my own life, at some point I said, I'm all in. And, it, and, and I was going through all these apologetics and conversations, but it seemed like every time I came to another book that would really stump me, I was like losing my faith. And then mm-hmm. I'd find I'd find a guy who could answer the questions, and I would regain my faith. And yeah. I was like, this is not the way. If I don't, it's if it's if it's intellectual only, then yeah. there's always going to be another it, smart guy with well, another idea. And I think even experientially. So if it's intellectual or experientially, if it always depends on that. So what is it then? If it's not, man, I think it's a it's a dependence on God. It's it's a kind of mystic. It really is a it's 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 kind of this mystic. I'm trust. I'm putting my hands in the Creator, right? Like I've heard this thing, and, and it appeals to me. It's it's, it's it like hits me in my soul and, and that is a kind of experience, but not the same that I hear people talk about experience, right? They talk about a worship set that like hit hard, you know, yeah. or, you know, but <laughs> uh, I'm talking like these truths were proclaimed to you and you go that that's it. And I'm gonna trust it. And then you walk in it and it, you know, um, yeah, it, it's, it always sounds weird to talk because the more I looked into like the intellectual side or the, uh, the, I don't know how to like, we'll call it emotional or, or experiential. Like, you know, I, I read Jonathan Edwards, what is Christian, uh, affections, right? What are those? And he's like, it's a proof of, nor it's nor a proof of or a proof against that this would happen. And he lists all these things, right? And I'm like, these are things that people always talk about. And it's kind of like, well, yeah, you. there seems to be a corollary, but it doesn't prove nor proves against that you're a believer just because you had a good worship session, right? And so mm-hmm. I started looking at this in a different kind of like hmm. light. And I was like, oh, I think we put too much stock on either having all these arguments I can prove it to myself, my own consciousness, or in the experiences, which again will soothe my consciousness when maybe it's just my consciousness needs to rest in the peace of the truth of God that, you know, so I, it sounds mystical, it, it really, it, well, and it's, but it, it's a, um, you know, we're, we're studying first Peter and, and I can't help, but it's just, he has his attitude nonetheless. Like I'm in this thing. Nonetheless, these mm-hmm. things were, you know, and it's always Paul and him are writing and saying, you were told these things, you believe them now continue in them. But he doesn't talk about how, you know, it just, it lacks our language of, you know, you, you were told these things and then this event happened. Then you believed it was more like you, you heard it and you believed it now continue in it. Mm -hmm. And there are like, 
evidences of of the spirit moving and these kind of miraculous happenings. But you know, I have to think about these these Roman citizens coming to Christ. It wasn't like they had Pentecostal sweepings of you know the spirit. There were stories of that, but yeah. a lot of them it was like my life is miserable, and God seems to speak into the heart and, and heal these things. And this is something that is um, what I need and want. So it's a pretty normal experience in some ways that that leads people there um we we didn't get too much to the light we talked about yeah. the salt um let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works why to glorify your father which mm-hmm. is in heaven so um just want to end on that note um that hopefully if you're listening you can find a way to let your light so shine mm-hmm. um thank you so much um todd weekman for joining me uh he's the next gen pastor with first baptist church of palm coast And I want to say thanks to our sponsors again, Douglas Property and Development, Big John's Appliances, and Stevenson Wilcox and Associates for supporting faith in Flagler because building faith strengthens our community.